Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. Trisha Urquhart. I am here on staff, so I'm going to bring you your scripture reading for today. Um, It is taken from Mark 1, 1 to 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare, the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Trisha, thank you uh, for inviting me to be here with you today. Here, but I'm I, I feel so honored and grateful to be invited to worship with you uh, here today. Um, would you please pray with me, gracious and loving God? We are so thankful for your word, for your scriptures, for the ways you continually speak to us. You love us and guide us. So we thank you uh, for your word. We pray that you would bless them to our understanding and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, everybody these days wants to think they're a prophet. And I am not sure why. (laughs) Not sure why prophets are never popular, not in their own time anyway. Nobody celebrates their wisdom until they're long dead. And then in hindsight, everyone realizes and recognizes how brilliant they were. And they're not even around anymore to say, I told you so. That's the best part, right? Is being able to say, I told you so, but they don't get to do that. Now, most people don't want to hear what uh, prophets have to say, because it usually means that they're going to have to change something. We know that we don't like change very much. Prophets also tend to have an attitude, and the biblical prophets are a perfect example. They offer some words of hope and encouragement and and vision, of course, but for the most part, prophets tend to be Debbie Downers. They're prickly. 
They're scornful, sometimes downright rude. This scripture reading that Trisha read for us from Mark, one of the traditional readings for the first Sunday of Advent that's coming up this Sunday, this passage contains some of the less critical and more hopeful words of two biblical prophets, Isaiah and John the Baptist, living centuries apart from one another and yet addressing the same question. What I would venture to say is the perpetual and most pressing need faced by humanity. That is people's deep spiritual hunger our innate search for God, our desire to know him, the need that we try to meet in so many ways. And for most of us, for most people, it's the quest of our lifetime. In this passage, we meet John the Baptist, a rather crusty and unconventional type who lived in the desert dressed in camel skins and ate bugs. Charming. Even though we uh, usually kick off Advent with John the Baptist, he's not your typical Christmas character. We don't find him in the manger scene like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and angels. But the Gospel of Mark starts with John the Baptist and and doesn't even have a story about the birth of Jesus. Advent is about the coming of Jesus into the world. And this passage that opens the Gospel of Mark contains John's clear announcement of the coming of the Lord. Not as a baby here, not as a, a cute little infant, but in the context of the reason for which he came, which we can sometimes forget in the midst of the celebrations and the carols and the cozy nativity scenes. I want you to imagine for a minute that you are sound asleep, maybe not much of a stretch now that I've been preaching for a couple of minutes, right? Some of you may, may be able to imagine that quite easily. So imagine you're sound asleep and you're warm in your bed, and suddenly the door opens and a bright light shines directly on your face. And a voice jolts you out of your dream saying, up, oh, out of bed, it's time for you to wake up. And then just to really drive home the message, they throw a bucket of ice cold water right in your face. It's time to stop dreaming and face the most important day of your life. Well, that's what the beginning of Mark's gospel is like. This is what John the Baptist was like to the Jewish people of his day. John's ministry burst in upon the surprised Jewish people of his time. Many had been waiting and watching for a sign from God, but they expected something very different from what John looked like. Many had wanted a Messiah to lead them in an uprising against the evil Romans, not a prophet telling them that they were the ones who had to repent. According to Mark, John was known for baptizing and 
for prophesying exactly that, repentance. Repentance for the complete forgiveness of sins, which means to have a change of heart, a, a, a transformation, to stop going in one direction and then to turn and go in the exact opposite direction, right? Now, John went out to the desert to carry out his ministry of preaching repentance and baptizing, and the people surprisingly came out to John in droves, leaving Jerusalem, leaving the cities, wandering into the wilderness, because they too had a deep spiritual hunger. And in John's message of repentance, they actually found hope. Those who had fallen could have a second chance at life. They could come and confess their sins and be cleansed through the waters of baptism and change their lives and leave their sinfulness behind, becoming a whole new person, a person who is righteous in the eyes of God. It seems there was a slight problem that John perceived, though. In their hunger and lack of real direction, they were coming to him. And they thought that he had the power to transform their lives. Israel had been under oppression for a long time, and some were beginning to wonder, where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? They had been longing for a revival of prophecy. And so John's appearance caused great excitement. So the Hebrew people, if not the Hebrew leaders, loved John. They esteemed him. They called him a prophet. And some had even been calling him the Messiah. It might have been tempting for John to accept all of that esteem. But he knew that that would be a grave error because he was not the one deserving their praise. He was merely the one who was pointing the way. He was preaching repentance, but he was not the one they needed to turn their hearts to. He was preaching forgiveness, but he was not the one who forgives. He was not the source of righteousness. He was merely preparing the way for the one who is. John was saying, no, I'm not the destination. I am merely the compass. Journey or quest is a popular metaphor for the human relationship with God, because developing that relationship with God, of course, is a lifelong process. When people are experiencing a deep spiritual hunger, as most people do at various points in their lives, we begin a journey. And often we're not exactly sure at first what the destination is. We just know that something's not right where we are right now. So we begin to take a few steps. We begin to wander. We begin to seek some answers. And then we begin to realize that maybe we need some help. Someone who can offer us some guidance along the way. We have a destination. 
we think about where we would really like to be in our relationship with God. And we set out on our journey. And as we set out on our spiritual journey, we begin to look around and we begin to notice that there's some beautiful scenery along the way. So we stop and we look around and we take it in and savor the experience. We may notice that there are some little scenic detours, some side trails that we can take, but they slow us down a bit. But we keep moving toward our destination. We may meet some interesting people who can point us in the direction because they're on the same journey and, and they know the right road to take. But it's always our destination that we keep in the forefront of our minds. Of course, we all know the saying, it's not the destination, it's the journey. That's only true, partly true on the Christian journey, <laughs> because we also know the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and that is not our destination, right? There's some, there is some truth to that one, too. On the spiritual journey, it's so easy to become distracted and to forget where we were going in the first place. We can become distracted by the scenery, by the things that are on the periphery, maybe some clever new theological concepts or the latest hip trends in worship. These are not our destination. These are not the destination. It's also easy to become distracted by fellow journeyers my mentors, preachers, authors, theologians we admire, who are wonderful and interesting companions for the journey, who can teach us something and point us, point us in the right direction, but who are not the actual destination either. In our search for a connection with God, we can become distracted from our destination, from our true purpose, by the very things that we have turned to for direction and companionship on the journey. So many things can distract us from God, and that's never so true as it is during the weeks leading up to Christmas. It's so easy to become sidetracked. Church can distract us from God, and many of you know that only too well. If our focus becomes the church itself, instead of the reason we all come to church, a prophet is one who reminds us of what our destination is, who points us back in the right direction. A prophet is like a compass. We don't set our sights on the compass, right? It just points the way for us. And so getting upset with a prophet, the way people became upset with John the Baptist, is like getting mad at a compass for telling you which way is north. If you want to reach your destination, you need to get up and, and get going in the direction that it's pointing. John the Baptist was a much needed compass for the weary wanderers who had been searching for God, whose lives had become consumed by distractions such as rituals, sacrifice, 
by commerce. John's message was prepare the way of the Lord, which is to say prepare for the coming of the one who has the power to forgive your sins and change your lives. The one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, not just with water. The Holy Spirit is what makes the difference between your baptism and your morning shower. John was pointing the way to Jesus, who was and who is the destination, the reason we set out on our journey, the one who is and was and is to come. In this season of Advent, are our eyes fixed on our destination? Or are we distracted by the scenery? Do we hear the voice of the prophet crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord? In this season of Advent, we are invited to prepare for a new beginning, for a transformation, for another chance through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born into this world that we might know God Almighty, and that our wandering may cease and our spiritual hunger be satisfied. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday.